Hello, this is Mike Burek, your host and the producer of Kronitsya, The Well, a monthly podcast series about Ukrainians and their activities around the globe. Today is Thursday, July 16th, 2020, and our guest for this episode is Olya Hercules, who is a Ukrainian-British chef, an award-winning cookbook author, and a cooking celebrity in the UK. Welcome again, Olya. How are you? Thank you so much, Michael. I'm good. Thank you so much. It's so good to be back. I can't believe it was two and a bit years ago that we did it last. Yes, last time we talked, it was cold and snowy out in March of 2018. And and we were chatting at that time about your first cookbook, which was Mamushka, based upon family recipes, Ukrainian family recipes. And now it's summer and we're talking about summer kitchens. Yes, so here we are, two and a half years later. I had a chance to take a look at the copy of the book that you sent me, and it's really just fascinating. You're such a storyteller when it comes to food. Oh, thank you. It's not just a a dry listing of uh, recipes, but you really go into the background, the history and the culture and so forth. So it's just a pleasure to read. One of the things I noticed in terms of the table of contents and the chapters, the first chapter that you start off with is called Fermenting, Pickling, and Preserving. So I'm sure that was very deliberate on your part. Can you explain to our audience why you chose that as your first topic? Uh, That's very perceptive of you, Michael, actually. Uh, Yes, normally these kind of chapters go at the end of uh, books, you know, oh, and here's some pickling at the end. But um, because the book is about summer kitchens, and just to explain very briefly to our listeners what summer kitchens are, they're separate little houses, which are nothing glamorous, but it's a one-room house, where, which is basically like a kitchen workshop. And this is where people in rural Ukraine and small towns in Ukraine cook during the summer. So they cook their everyday meals there. Because it gets really, really hot in Ukraine. You know, it's you, it's often associated with Russia and with the cold. But actually, from April to October, it, it, you know, the weather is wonderful and actually extremely hot in the peak of summer. So people didn't used to have air cons, etc. And in the summer, they would uh, not only be doing their everyday cooking, but also come September, they would um, start pickling, fermenting, preserving food for winter. Uh, Ukraine, it's changing now a little bit, but it's still a very seasonal um, kind of, so a lot of seasonal cooking happens in Ukraine. And a lot of people grow their own vegetables, especially in rural um, areas and in towns and small towns like my town, Kahovka, in the south of Ukraine. And um, you would often be left with a glut. My aunt had a 40 kilo glut of these amazing round aubergines last year. My mom had a you know, a 30 kilo glut of tomatoes. And in winter, you know, you, of course, you'd have your root vegetables or whatever is seasonal, but uh, you wouldn't have anything fresh, really. As I say, things are changing, but people still adhere to seasonality. So everything, all of the glut would be preserved. And, you know, all of the three liter, like very standard jar in Ukraine, it's a three big three liter jar. They would all come out, loads and loads of jars. And imagine all of this. It's almost like a semi-industrial pickling operation. And it would be really practical 
as you say, to do it in these summer kitchens. So because pickling is such an important part of summer kitchens um, is why I decided to put it uh, at the beginning of the of the book. Also, you know, it's called Summer Kitchens and it is about summer cooking, the book, but it's it also has quite wintry recipes using those ferments and using those pickles that we make because we don't only use them as a nice tasty sour pickle we also cook with the kraut uh we cook with the fermented tomatoes or pickled tomatoes or whatever in winter you know so it was a central kind of a very important chapter and actually i called it september sessions so so yes it's, it's a very good question actually thank you for asking it so the pickling and the fermenting is actually something that might be done more in the fall? Yes. Come, uh, you, you'd start in the summer, but the, the really big kind of action would happen in September. Absolutely. Also, you know, what, this is the end of your kind of summer harvest. And um, even things like cucumbers, uh, for example, would become a little bit drier in their flesh so they're much better for pickling you know they're not watered as much it's not as hot so um you know there are practical reasons for this as well but yes september october is when uh really serious pickling happens and things are getting uh, you know are, are being put into jars etc so at the beginning of the book you have a section on the history of summer kitchens and one of the statements that you make is a summer kitchen is not just a romantic idea, but it's a very practical concept. Is the younger generation in Ukraine still using summer kitchens? Well, that was one of the reasons why I was so keen to write about them. They are still around, definitely, but um, sadly, younger generations have got different lives, I guess. Um, they, I don't know if it's getting busier or there are more distractions in the world, but they are being um, disassembled and or turned into warehouses, you know, like storage rooms or dog kernels. I have seen them disappear a little bit here and there. So actually, it's a concern of mine. I, I really do hope that younger generations keep using them. But, um, you know, th this, is, this is to be seen yet. We'll see in 20 years. But, yeah, I was, I was very, very keen to um, document what's, what's going on in them and their history, etc. So we shall see. I really hope they, they keep going. And I really love the photographs of the summer kitchens. And I understand that your husband, Joe Woodhouse, actually took some of those photographs since he's a professional photographer. Yes, that's right. <laughs> very, very lucky to have him around, yes. So at the back of the book, you have a section called Summer Kitchen Memories. And this section is based upon about 50 letters that were sent to you by various people in Ukraine. And in this section, you highlighted seven of those letters. How did you manage to connect with these people to solicit their letters for this part of the book? So, uh, yeah, I said some uh, negative things about the modern times just a minute ago, but there are some positives as well, because I basically put up, uh, put out an appeal on uh, on social media a few years ago when I, when I kind of was in the middle of research for this book. So I, I just mentioned some negatives about the modern times just a minute ago, but there are also some positives. So in the middle of my research, perhaps three years ago, two years ago, I 
put an appeal out on um, social media. I asked people, do, if you know uh, what a summer kitchen is, please, uh, could you send me a message? And then I have some interview questions for you. Perhaps you could answer them for me. Because one of the things, another reason why I wanted to write this book was to talk about Ukrainian regional cooking, about all of the different Ukrainian tribes, if you will, all of the different influences by the borders and its history, etc. And, uh, you know, there are, there are so many different people, different cuisines, uh, but the summer kitchen was kind of a uniting thing. Everybody had a summer kitchen. So I thought it would be a really lovely prism to look through it um, at Ukraine's beautiful diversity, but also to have this kind of unifying thing. And um, we traveled all over Ukraine, 10,000 kilometers, but we couldn't sadly go to Crimea. Uh, I really wanted to talk to Tatar families there. And we couldn't go to Eastern Ukraine for obvious reasons. So getting information from people through my appeal seemed like a very good idea. So at first it was supposed to be just kind of interview questions and a bit of research that I could use. But then these letters flooded in, these emails flooded in. I actually had about uh, 100 initial initial messages and then about 60 uh, emails came through uh, with the answers to my interview questions. And then when I was um, looking through them, when I was writing the book, I went to my publisher and I said, look, I've just taken out my questions. And if we do a very gentle edit, maybe, you know, they sound like uh, love letters to Ukraine, to people's childhoods and to summer kitchens. You know, they they read so beautifully. And, um, and luckily, my publisher loved the idea. And that's exactly what we did. And in fact, it was really hard um, to choose to pick those seven. That's all we had the space for. And I'm slowly putting the rest of them up on my website, by the way, if people are interested to read more of them. Um, so, yeah, that's the story. And uh, I think it's uh, one of my favorite bits in the book, actually. It's so nice to have people's voices in there, not just my voice, but other people's too. When I when the book came in, um, when I got the, fr the, the first book, that, that was the first section that I went to. I reread it straight away. And um, yes, thank you for asking this one as well. It's um, I'm very, very happy that we managed to include those in the book. And as I read through the book and then reading through these different sections about Ukrainian cooking and so forth, it's really fascinating how you weave together recipes from all of the different cultural influences on Ukraine. And just to name some of them, Hungarian, Slovak, Polish, Moldovan, uh, in southern Ukraine, you mentioned German and Swedish. And of course, in western Ukraine, the Jewish influence, Crimea, Tatar, and so forth. So how were you able to, to find these different recipes to reflect that? It was all done through word of mouth, uh, really. Some areas, of course, I had family in, so they would kind of find fixes for me. And, and some of it was um, through friends and friends of friends. And again, you know, talking on social media and asking, does anyone know uh, anyone, you know, in the, in, the, in the village in this area of Ukraine, you know, in Polisia or in, in Transcarpathia, etc. And people uh, were very keen to, um, you know, to give me tips on where to go, etc. And, and, um, and people were so generous with their... Uh, stories and their knowledge and their recipes as well. So we've 
we traveled around about 10,000 kilometers, which if you think about Ukraine's size, it's, you know, it's not even that much, but that's all that we kind of had time and finances for. But yeah, uh, an incredible journey. Uh, and as you say, there's people so diverse, but welcoming, equally welcome, welcoming all over Ukraine. And it's great that you did this. I guess most of your traveling was done last year and the previous year. Obviously, this year would have been very difficult to, to pull together this kind of research. Oh, Michael, I feel so lucky. I, I, for me, the, the book wouldn't have been able to go ahead. Uh, I had to go there. You know, it's, it's all it's 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 perfectly acceptable. And it's amazing to be able to um, do research from uh, documents and books, etc. And there are some old Ukrainian books and I've used those, too. But it's not enough. I, you know, going into somebody's kitchen, talking to a woman in her 80s and asking her, uh, do you remember recipes that perhaps your mother or your grandmother used to make, but you don't make anymore, you know, or you haven't made in a while. And, you know, and they'd be like, oh, what's interesting? What's interesting? You know, I can't think of anything. And luckily, for example, there was a grandson that's visiting from Canada or something and be like, oh, do you remember those fermented apples and pumpkin puree? That's what she's, she, And she would be like, is this interesting? And I'd be like, yes, yes, please. I would love this recipe so much. Um, so, yeah. Absolutely. It, it wouldn't have been possible. I'm so I feel I feel lucky and blessed that it has been. So how has the pandemic affected your own life there in the UK now? I know part of your business was to go out and actually do cooking at events. Is that still going on? No, it's not possible. Everything's been cancelled. I was supposed to do, yeah, quite a few events cooking for people to do with the launch of my book. And, you know, Again, it's it's uh, great to be able to produce a book and for people to read it. But to me, it, another important thing was to feed people and uh, to connect with them in person. And sadly, all of this has been cancelled. And my book tour and all the talks and food festivals. I was supposed to travel around the UK, Wales, Ireland, uh, Scotland, and also New York uh, because the book has just been published on Tuesday in America. So yeah, all of that got cancelled. And to be honest with you, it was uh, completely devastating. I think I think I, I cried a few times. But uh, of course, you know, it's a personal, a very small tragedy. There are more serious things going on in the world. But luckily, there is online and, and people are tuning in and they're cooking the recipes already from the book. And it's, uh, you know, I have been able to connect with them through through that and also through podcasts. So I'm very grateful that you wanted to have me on again. So if you had to choose one recipe from the book, which one would you say is your favorite recipe? Ah, you're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> that is extremely difficult to answer. Um, right, there is a really great recipe that was inspired. I, I didn't try it because, um, but I, I've been, uh, I was told this recipe by a Hutzul woman and this beautiful little, well, actually, it's the biggest village in Ukraine. It's not a little village. In the Carpathian Mountains, uh, she had this incredible summer kitchen with a well right in front of it. You can find the picture in the book. She told me about how they used to make holubtsi. So, uh, you know, your stuffed, normally cabbage rolls. They used to use beetroot leaves 
and they would leave them in the sun to wilt a little bit so they would become more pliable and then you know they would be stuffed with uh, either a vegetable uh, filling or um, or meat filling and I've uh, kind of developed a recipe for the book which is um, these beetroot leaf holubti and they're stuffed with buckwheat and mushrooms and onions and carrots and they're cooked in this really beautiful tomato sauce kind of thickened and uh, made luscious with a big dollop of smetana or creme fraiche or sour cream, whatever you like. And I think actually this is one of my favorite recipes and one that I keep cooking also because my husband is vegetarian. So it's one that, um, yeah, he's enticed by. Yeah, the photography in that section was fantastic. It it really uh, made me imagine this and made me very hungry for it. <laughs> That's good. Mission accomplished then. Yeah. So we're running out of time, but I did want to ask you a little bit about the future. I understand you have another book at some point from the same publisher, is it, from Bloomsbury? Yes. Yes, that's right. And um, So any, just, any hint on what the topic might be? I, I can't really talk about this just yet. I mean, of course, it's going to be centered around Eastern Europe, but I can guarantee you that uh, I haven't finished... And I don't know if I will ever finish talking about Ukrainian food and culture. And there will definitely be more from that area, 100%. Great. So if our audience wants to get a copy of your book, where's the best place to buy it here in the U.S.? Please do check with your local independent bookshop. I think they need our support uh, in these difficult times. But if you are unable to, or if, if for some reason they don't stock it uh, online, uh, you will be able to find it, find it uh, on Amazon. But as I say, if possible, uh, bookshops are very kind of um, very good at uh, stocking my books, I think. And I've already sent a whole bunch of uh, signed book plates. So ask your local bookshop to get in touch with me and I can also do a personalized signature for you. And I will post it for you from London and you'll receive it in the U.S. Olya, can you share with our audience the URL for your website in case they want to get more information about you? Sure. It's oliahercules.com and I'm very active on Instagram and my um, profile name there is Olya Hercules. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you Thank for you. coming on Kronitsia today. Thank you for having me, Michael. Pleasure as always. I have been speaking with Olya Hercules who is a Ukrainian-British chef, award-winning cookbook author, and cooking celebrity in the UK. And we've been talking mostly about the release of her brand new book called Summer Kitchens. And it's all about regional cooking in Ukraine. And this is Mike Burek, your host and the producer of Kodinitsia, The Well, a monthly podcast series about Ukrainians and their activities around the globe. Until next time, that's all for now.